This is the Live Life Happy Podcast with Andrea Seidel, and it's episode number 118. Welcome to the Live Life Happy Podcast with Andrea Seidel. We're all about highlighting self-help, positive psychology, and books on well-being. We share the content and actionable advice so you can make normal life extraordinary. We are a community of lifelong learners, high achievers, and busy people. Get ready for your download so you can live life happy. I'm your host and addicted to reading, Andrea Seidel. Hey there, Andrea here. I'm so excited because I have such an awesome guest on the show today. I'm curious though, do you throw yourself into other people's lives or you lose yourself as a result? Or do you pick the wrong partners? Or maybe you find yourself staying in relationships longer than you should. Now, sometimes we find ourselves in dating desperation because we don't want to be alone. All these things kind of show up for us in many ways. And I am so excited because I have the author of Love Smacked on the show. This is a book all about how to stop the cycle of relationship addiction and codependency so that we can finally find everlasting love. So we are going to talk about love addiction, codependency, and how trauma actually plays a role in these issues. So Sherry Geba, she is a licensed psychotherapist and a life coach, and she helps people cope with lifelong addictions. And she's born in California. And you might have seen Sherry on the VH1 docu-reality TV series, Celebrity Rehab. She's also been on other shows like Sober House and Celebrity Rehab. This is your go-to person. She's a leading expert on everything addiction, everything recovery, and she has worked for some of the top rehabilitation treatment centers. So I am so thrilled and so happy to have you on the show, Sherry. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Andrea. You know, we just got to know each other a little bit before the interview, and you're just precious, adorable, and I'm just so happy to have a new friend and a new colleague. Yay. So I would love it for you. Just, you know, what's going on in your life right now? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, my biggest priority is spending time with my little Harper. She's my granddaughter. She's almost five, and I'm going to have a grandson in May. So that's my, my big news. And I'm just I'm spending time, you know, launching my own podcast called The Love Fix, which I'm super excited about, and talking about my book and my programs and just getting um, a lot of great information out there for people related to uh, love addiction, codependency, and toxic relationships. I'm not doing as much with addiction. That was um, something I was very, very involved in 10 years ago when I was doing the show. And then my first book, uh, Infinite Recovery, had to do with addiction. I was married to an alcoholic. And the funny part about all of this is I was so focused on him on, on so many levels, including my career, <laughs> including, you know, focused just, you know, so much on addiction. And then I realized, you know, this is really codependent. Like, yes, my, my first book was awesome. It took the law of attraction and applied it to addiction. And, you know, people loved it. And the rehabs that I, I, um, I taught a lot of groups and I, I used the material and it was great. And then I just realized I really want to talk about my journey and what I went through and to help people like myself that have loved an addict, alcoholic, and, um, you know, how it really brought me to my knees in terms of spiritual, emotional, uh, physical, mental, you know, bankruptcy, just 
loving somebody that um, was an alcoholic addict. So I really kind of morphed into more talking about love addiction, toxic relationships and codependency. Oh, and I really enjoy, and this is why our paths have crossed actually, because I really do enjoy that piece of your work that it's all about taking back your power so that in focusing mm. on you. And um, so that really resonates. And that's how our paths cross. As we know, I wrote the book, Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone yeah. with Addiction. And yeah, and that's what it's all about. It's not about the addicted loved one in your life. It's literally about how having the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. And that yeah. is what I love about your approach and, and the approach that you would take when you're supporting people. And um, so let's talk a little bit about that. So what exactly is love addiction? So love addiction is a process addiction. And, you know, you think of things like food addiction, binge eating, sex addiction, exercise, internet, gaming, shopping, spending. They're all, you can call them process addictions. You can call them lifestyle addictions. But it actually, it's, it's very similar to being addicted to a drug. It's You're becoming addicted, though, to a mood-altering activity rather than a drug. So there, it does the same thing. You have the cravings. And it really, you know, love addiction is really where your whole identity is based around that person, which can also be codependency. You know, I always say a love addict is usually a codependent as well. But a codependent can actually be addicted not to a partner, can be addicted to to. Um, you know, not addicted, excuse me, they can be, um, you know, someone that is um, codependent in other areas of their life, such as their um, friendships or their work, you know, colleagues. But a love addict is definitely addicted to a person. Um, they're addicted to the whole romance, the ups and downs of that whole, you know, oh, good love, you know, and they, they really feel like they need to be with someone to feel whole. They have a very um, empty void inside of them. And again, a codependent can too. But a love addict, definitely, it's all about the other person. Um, when the breakup occurs, there's this um, withdrawal phase. They just, you know, they want to attach so badly to someone. They want those pleasurable feelings. Um, they, you know, of, of that lost relationship, almost like the drug user that wants their heroin fix. So um, it's really the signs and symptoms of a love addict are over-adapting to what others want. Again, that can be a codependent as well, not having boundaries you know, this excruciating fear of letting go, letting go of that person because they don't want to be alone. You know, they go into complete panic when they're um, on their own, a fear of the unknown. Um, and then getting back to codependent traits as well, attempting to change others and needing others to feel whole, looking for others for affirmation, fearing abandonment. A lot of at love addicts, codependents have an anxious attachment type um, style and, you know, they just give up who they are out of fear that they're going to be alone or they're going to lose someone or they're going to lose somebody's approval. Um, and then I, of course, can go into what a codependent is specifically, but they really do have a lot of overlap. Oh, my gosh. It's so fascinating how you've made that parallel that when you are in a relationship and you're addicted to relationships, right, or love addiction, as you put it, um, it's so it's so interesting that there's so many parallels to actual addiction to other things. And um, I think that's so fascinating. And it's, it's true. You hear about the serial dater, right? Like it's like it's like as soon as they break up with someone, they're already on the dating sites and they're trying to, you know, find 
find someone else to date or like, you know what, I'm so worried to break, say someone's maybe worried to break up with the person that they're with because in fear, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be alone. So it's almost like they put up with so much abuse in a relationship or like turmoil that they are because they're afraid to, you know, be alone or they're afraid to enter the dating world or just so many unknowns. So, oh yeah. I mean, that's my story. I mean, when I wrote my book, Love Smacked, I think, um, you know, you're going to be, we're going to be talking about it, but it was really all about multiple relationships going from one to the next, settling for less. Um, you know, it, it definitely took its toll on my life. And, you know, that's why I'm doing this work is I want people to know they don't have to settle and it's never too late to change. You know, here I am in my early sixties and I think I'm the healthiest that I've ever been. And it took me a while. I actually, you know, really, I got divorced in my early fifties. So it's I've been pretty healthy for a while now, but it took me, you know, into my fifties to really understand that this is a, this is a disease like addiction. You know, I would, I just, you know, I had that emptiness that addicts talk about and, and that really is what addiction is. It's this feeling of like being in the ethers of nothingness of emptiness when you don't have an attachment to someone and, you know, there are reasons for it and we'll get into the trauma piece, but it's just getting rid of the shame and the blame. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just, you know, who you've been in the world. And, and now it, you can change that. You can change those patterns. Mm, so that that's really interesting. And I'm curious about how can you change those patterns? Like, well, first of all, I guess it's, it's ice, like noticing that you do have a pattern. Like I know I've been basically divorced twice and you know and it's funny because after after my my last relationship I definitely needed to take that time to heal and and that's the fascinating thing that I love too about you Sherry is that you are using your expertise and your knowledge and your skills as well as your personal experience to help to help others and so I'm curious how would people like what would the first step be to realizing that there might be a pattern well, I think you're absolutely right. First of all, just being on this podcast today, people are getting an understanding of what it is. So consciousness awareness is always the first step. Um, and then making a decision to change, you know, when the pain is great enough, you know, like when I divorced my alcoholic or up until that time, I was just a basket case. I mean, here I am a therapist. I work on the number one um, VH1 show on addiction. And here I, oh, and I ran a program at Promises Malibu, which was one of the celebrity Malibu treatment centers running the family program. And yet, you know, in my own house, I was really struggling. I, you know, my alcoholic ex was great. He was a wonderful, loving, he was great, but he had a very, very bad disease. And that's really what ultimately broke us up. And I just, you know, I lost myself. And that, that really is what love addiction and codependency is. You lose parts of yourself really trying to save that person. And uh, I never want to be in that situation again. So it's really making a decision to change, um, learning to stop looking for external solutions for problems. It's really an inside job. It's not about anything on the outside. It's really looking at your fears. What are you afraid of? Um, really looking at early trauma issues, which is really part of my story. I had early trauma and that's what made me a love addict really. And when I finally could put a label on it and I understood that it came from trauma, it, it took a lot of the shame um, out. Uh, moving out of denial, you know, we, we fall in love with an illusion of who we think somebody is, you know, instead of really who the person is. So that's very important. And denial is part of addiction, you know, addicts, 
they live in Grayton now. They don't want to accept that they're an alcoholic because like any addiction, if we accept that we have a problem, then we have to give up our goodies, whether it's drugs or whether it's love or love with a, the wrong partner. So that's that's a huge piece. And then looking at the childhood trauma piece, which was what I was talking about, and just really doing some self-parenting, self really look at your inner child, learning to come from an adult self rather than a child self, because a lot of these um, acting out behaviors are really just our inner wounds, our, our wounds from, from early on that we're, we're, rea you know, we're reacting instead of responding from those wounds. So really getting in touch with what those wounds are. Um, becoming a loving, forgiving, compassionate person towards yourself and the person that you might have loved that had the addiction. You know, I, I love my ex-husband, but from afar, you know, it's, you know, I'm, from, it's definitely from afar. And when he's sober, we're great friends. When he's not sober, he's blocked. I don't have anything to do with him, but I can do that now because we've been apart for nine years. So it's, it's very different when time passes. Um, in the beginning, sometimes you have to completely do no contact. Um, and you just use the pain to grow and you, you use it to prepare for a healthy relationship. You trust in yourself. Um, and you learn to let go and you can get therapy. You can go to sex and love addict anonymous meetings. You can join my program. I have a wonderful program that I can talk about, but that those are the things I would do to move forward, you know, um, from a love addict situation. Oh my gosh. Okay. You raised so many amazing suggestions and points and things to think about. Um, the thing that stood out for me too, is in the beginning, you talked about essentially you lose yourself. You're caring so much for someone else and you end up losing yourself or you're like putting so much emphasis and focus on someone else that you end up, you know, d destroying yourself essentially. Um, and I, and I can totally relate to that one. So I'm wondering, and I'm curious if we, like, we have dropped the idea in the term codependency uh, a numerous times. So I'm, I'm sure that some people, they, like at first when I heard that word codependency, um, when I was dealing with loving someone with an addiction, I remember feeling like a shame around it's like, no, I'm not dependent on that person. Like, it's almost like, it's like you, you look at that word or you, that there's something about that, that term codependency that it doesn't feel comfortable. Um, so maybe let's talk a little bit about that. Like in your, what's, what would be your definition of codependency or how would you explain it? Well, you know, it began like 30 odd years ago with Melody Beatty's book, who she actually endorsed my two books. She's a good friend and a colleague. I love her. Um, and she she coined the word really, you know, being the partner of an addict alcoholic, enabling them, um, trying to control them, manipulate them, um, getting your self-worth from them, not feeling like you're anything without them. I mean, this is where it all began. I I, nowadays, you know, people don't like the word as much, you know, even I blog on psychology today and they won't even let me use the word codependent. So I, I don't agree that there should be shame around the word because mm -hmm. it's not, you know, there's a reason you got to that place. And usually it was some sort of trauma that you've been through. So I'm not ashamed of the word. I mean, I, it is what it is. Um, but yes, there are a lot of people that they don't like the word because then they think, well, is there something wrong with loving an addict? Like, what's wrong with me that I love an addict? There's nothing wrong with you that you love an addict. And in fact, you can stay with an addict if they're in a program or in their recovery, or you can stay with them if they're not. If you want to live like that way, if you can handle that, if you can love someone while you're married to them that has an addiction, I couldn't do that. But there's nothing to be ashamed of loving someone. I remember my, you know, I was in the a 12-step program at the time, um, Al-Anon, and I remember the grant sponsor said, you know, there's no shame in loving an addict or alcoholic. It's only when your life 
falls apart because of it, which is what happened for me, you know, PTSD, uh, you know, I started getting shingles, I had a staph infection, I was losing hair, I mean, all kinds of negative things from this hurricane that I was in with this addict. So, but hey, if you want to, just like they say in AA, if you want to go out and drink, go ahead, you know, see what happens. I don't choose to be in a relationship with someone who is not in a recovery program. Um, and that's, that's my story. But to basically a codependent, you know, usually you come from some kind of dysfunctional home. You've had some kind of trauma in your life. Um, you receive very little nurturing yourself. So everything was really um, about, um, you were invisible. You, so everything was other focused. You really, there was no, there was no attention being paid on you. And, and I can go into my trauma story in a bit, but you basically, um, everything was about everybody else around you. So of course you're like the perfect person to marry or be in love with an addict, alcoholic or narcissist, because it's all about them. Um, you know, because we, um, we're never able to change our parents into the warm caretakers we, we long for. So we respond deeply to that familiar type of person. And when someone's in their disease or they're a narcissist, they're completely emotionally unavailable. And that's like, Hey, that's what I know. That's what's familiar to me. That's what I grew up with. Terrified of abandonment. That is my story. You know, you'll do anything to hold on to a relationship so you don't have to experience that excruciating pain of, of being alone. Um, nothing is too much trouble when you're a codependent. You know, nothing takes too much time. Nothing is too expensive. You'll do anything to help that person. Um, you're accustomed to lack of love in personal relationships. So you're willing to wait and hope and try and try and try to make things different than they are. You'll do anything to change them. Um, we'll take 50% of the responsibility and the guilt and the blame in a relationship. Um, usually we have really low self-esteem. Um, deep inside, we believe we must earn the right to enjoy life. So we don't even, we don't even know that we are entitled to a wonderful life and we're desperate we're desperate we have a desperate need to control people we had to control our little childhood so then that just transferred into our adult relationships um we didn't experience a lot of security so we mask our efforts in controlling others and being helpful i mean i can go on and on but i, I think you got <laughs> of what a codependent is you're incredible yeah and it's a huge topic right and and it, it can start happening to you, I find, too, in a very, like, innocent sort of way. Like, you know, even if you're dealing with a drug-induced narcissist, they focus on themselves and their, their drugs. And it's like you're trying to make them better so you feel better. And so it's amazing how it's just, just this downward spiral that before you know it, you, you're catching yourself enabling, the, enabling and you catch yourself, like, caring so much about them and their health and what they're doing that you lose yourself in that process. so it's, it's, a drug. it's a drug like the addiction like when my ex would call me and say oh I'm gonna die you know he'd be in his car with all these vodka bottles and he couldn't drive and he just was feeling like oh my god my my body is shutting down please come save me and then you like go oh okay and you know I get in my car and I drive and I'd see what I could do to help him and put him in a new rehab. And I, I did this dance for a few years, you know, getting him in rehabs over and over again. And I just couldn't do it anymore, but it is, it's like a drug. It, it, it's an adrenaline high really. And the reason you're doing this is because that's what, you know, that's what you grew up with. This is your go-to is, you know, being on these ups and downs and ups and downs of the life with an addict or a narcissist. And what comes up for me too, while you're saying that is like the reason you're doing it too, in that denial piece, is that for me, it was like, I was trying to get the person that I fell in love with a long time ago to come back. 
So it was yeah. like, it's almost like you're doing everything you can to save the relationship you used to have. And that this person no longer is even in front of you. They're an empty vessel of a human that they used to be. Yeah, yeah they are. So it's just incredible. Yeah. So it's that denial too. It's like, well, actually, actions speak louder than words. It's like I had to train myself to see what's actually happening right in front of my face. Um, and, and realize that, you know what, this, this isn't the person I fell in love with. If any, if there was a fly on the wall watching this behavior happen, like it, it would be like, you know, abuse. It would be like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe Andrea, you're tolerating this. Right. So it's yeah. so interesting how, um, how that, I love how you brought that denial piece into it because I was denying actually the reality of the situation. Yeah, what, what you're probably talking about is you might have had a trauma bond with your ex. I mean, I definitely had a trauma bond. We both had abandonment issues, and we sort of found each other. And then um, what, also a part of a trauma bond is that when, when you first meet someone who has sort of an addictive personality or narcissist, they really, like, they just swarm over you. They love you. They give you all this attention. And it's it's really kind of toxic really, but you, but you think it feels so good because you're getting all this attention and this validation and you just feel so wonderful because they want you. Well, and that's what you're searching for. Like when they're in their disease, you're like, I want that back. I want that, you know, original love bombing stage back, but you really don't because that really isn't the healthiest way for a relationship to start to be so intense. And that's pretty much when I met my ex, it was super, super intense. And I mean, the universe showed me all kinds of signs, you know, do not go with this guy. I mean, you know, I remember this was back, you know, in 2001, there were phone booths. I had a cell phone. My cell phone died. I went to a phone booth to call him and the phone booth phone didn't work. And for any of you, phone booth is where you'd make a call when there weren't cell phones. Anyway, the phone booth, you know, that phone didn't work. My cell didn't work. And it was like the universe was saying, go away. Do not be with this person and, and many other signs. But, you know, you want that, the goodies of what that felt like, like you were talking about. So anyway, if you're, if, you know, I believe at this point in my life, slow and steady wins the race. I don't want anything really intense. I want something like baseline, you know, just something easy breezy. Yeah, even keel. Even keel. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Okay. So we've talked a lot about trauma bonding, codependency, um, love addiction. And so I'm really curious, like how, like a lot of the listeners might be thinking if they find themselves in this situation, it's like, well, how do we stop feeling responsible for others? Like, how do we do that? Well, it goes back to, you know, probably the title of your book. I mean, it's it's putting the focus back on yourself and getting in a program, you know, getting to meetings, joining my program for, for codependence and toxic relationships and love addicts, getting support from others, you know, putting the focus back on yourself. You know, when there's enough pain, there will be gain. And that's really where it begins. It begins like what I was talking about earlier, just becoming conscious, being on this podcast, going, oh, wow, I do have an issue here. And and doing the work and doing some trauma work, I um, I had to look at my early trauma piece. I was premature. I was in an incubator. I didn't get, I wasn't touched. I wasn't held. I didn't bond with my mom for two and a half months. I didn't meet her, really. She didn't hold me for two and a, my first two and a half months of my life in this little earth. Um, I was fed through my feet. I had an oxygen mask. So I was just a love addict, codependent waiting to happen because I just wanted those nurses to pick me up. I wanted anyone to pick me up. Yes. So, but there can be other trauma. There can be trauma like you could have been neglected. Your parents were addicts. You had a parent that might have been 
parentifying you, making you like a little adult way before your time, having parents who are emotionally unavailable. I mean, there's all kinds of things. And I think the first step really is to, to really work on that trauma piece, like what I did. I, I did some somatic work, which is what I do with my clients now. It's, it's called somatic experiencing, and it's getting people to get back in their bodies so that they can be okay with themselves. So they don't need something on the outside to fill them up on the inside. And, and it's been a journey. And um, thank God I did the work because today I, don't, I wouldn't settle for anybody. I know what I want. Um, I know what I'm worth. I have self-esteem. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you just got to work on that, that early trauma stuff. That's where it all began. Oh, I love that. So tapping in and just like get self-awareness, right. And going back into those, maybe those patterns, or even if you're not aware, it's just looking back to see what could have been a pattern for you or trauma that maybe plays a role, um, with, uh, with codependency and maybe uh, love addiction. Um, oh Yeah. So we didn't talk at, we didn't talk a little bit about let's talk about um, taking back your power. This is really your mission and it's actually the mission also within my book. Um, so tell me a little bit like what suggestions you have given so many suggestions, but if there were like three things that people you know you would suggest for people to do almost right away to take back their power in situations like this, um, what would you suggest? Three steps, huh? Hmm. Well, the first step would be find a, a, a fellowship, find a support group where you don't feel alone because that's one of the things that, you know, when we love someone who's an addict or narcissist, we feel very alone. So I would, first of all, find some kind of program that you feel safe in. Um, you know, read everything you can about uh, codependency and love addiction. You know, see where you, you come in. I would buy my book. I'd buy your book. So you have a <laughs> understanding and I don't mean to be salesy but it does start with you know knowledge is power so really understanding um, and there's so much free stuff too if you just google my name I have zillions of articles out there and then just really understanding if this is who I am and then if you realize you do have early trauma finding a really great therapist to work with who will help you with this trauma so that you no longer feel like you need something on the outside to feel good on the inside. I mean, that's really what I would do. Those are the three steps I would take. Oh, amazing. And it's interesting that you say, I love that you say that you're not like, you're not alone. Don't feel alone in this. Reach out to community. There's other people that are going through what you're going through or something similar. Um, Absolutely. It's so true. And also and knowledge. And I'm one of the things I, I always say is we can struggle well. So it's like even we can't pretend bad things don't happen, but we can struggle well through it. And one of the pieces to help us struggle well is, you know, gaining more knowledge and, and getting more educated about the subject and about, you know, learning about ourselves. And then I love that you say reaching out to, you know, therapists or even life coaches and things like that to help you support and figure out, you know, cause it's like, I was going to say, like, I can't trying to think back to a time that maybe did I have trauma in my past? that's causing me to like, you know, select a certain type of person. Um, but that's something you can't do yourself. You almost do need to reach out to like, you know, a psychotherapist or a therapist or a life coach or someone that can really help you. Um, you know, I always say the expression, you can't read the label when you're inside the jar. So it's almost like, oh, Oh, that's funny. I love that. I never heard that. That's a good one. It's a yeah. way to kind of pull you out so you gain a different perspective. So, For sure. Oh my gosh. So I know I want to get a hold of you, Sherry, and you have such a wealth of information and support. Um, so wh where can they reach you and you know, where can they find all your wonderful programs? 
Oh, thank you for giving me this platform to talk about those things. Well, I have my book, Love Smacked, um, uh, How to Stop the Cycle of, I have to read my second half of my title, isn't that hysterical? Because <laughs> it's so long. How to Stop the Cycle of Relationship Addiction and Codependency to Find Everlasting Love. So that's on Amazon, Love Smacked. And then in your, I guess in your show notes, you can put the link to Wake Up Recovery. It's kind of a long link. Uh, Wake Up Recovery for Codependents, Toxic Relationships, and Love Addicts. I actually have a special. It's a dollar to join. And um, that's for a week just to check it out so you have nothing to lose. And that'll be, I guess, the link in your show notes. And that's where you're going to get the group support. I do two group coaching sessions a month. I've got all kinds of uh, resources in there. It's I've been doing this for about three and a half years, so it's just a treasure trove of resources for anybody struggling with codependency or love addiction or a toxic relationship. And those are the two things that I, you know, love to share with you. And thank you for putting the links in your show notes. Yeah. And I'll also link, obviously, to all your social media as well as your uh, your website as well. So people can get a hold of it. And also, if you want, I, can, I have a codependency quiz. So I can send you the link for that as well. Nice. And people can take a quiz and see if they believe that they are codependent. Amazing. Now, we are going to do a book giveaway as well. So I always support the authors that come on to my podcast. And so all people have to do, I'm going to give away not one, two, but three copies of Sherry's book, Love Smacked. So if you just take a screenshot of this episode and share it to your social, of course, tag me in it so that I know you've done that. And you have entered yourself into a chance to win one of her copies. So we're going to do that as well. So I cannot thank you, Sherry, enough for being on the show your wisdom and knowledge. You are so welcome, Andrea. And thank you for what you're doing. You are doing important work in the world and sharing great messages. So thank you for having me. Yay. If you like this podcast, it's like personal training for your mind. You've got to come over to my website at andreasidel.com where I take all these books and I hide them in this big, massive vault. There's hundreds and hundreds of books in there for you to learn and discover and grow from. So I really encourage you to head on over to my website so you can gain access to this vault. They're just waiting for you to read. Also, if you've been thinking about writing a book or you know, you've lacked the time, maybe the focus and the know-how to get it done, or you've been wanting to publish your own work, well, look no further. Spend no more time wasting trying to figure it all out because I'm your girl. I am a book doula. I actually help people painlessly give birth to their books through book birthing. (laughs) So let's turn that dream into achievement through birthing your own book because books change lives. So head on over to my website to find out more about that as well. Be sure to subscribe here so that you get the latest episode. And of course, share this with your friends, write a review because it really helps grow the show. And finally, I just want to thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but also week after week. I'm just so grateful that I get to show up and read all these books and share the learning experience with you. So until next week, I'm sending hugs.